It's that time of the week again. Keeping it real with Chuck Looney and the big fella. And, uh, well, episode 10, season one. We started this at the start of ISO, and we are continuing to bring you a sensational little podcast. It's really starting to gain some momentum, and it is all thanks to this man. Yes, Clinton Bolsh, the all-new Nissan warrior, of course. End the financial year deals on now. We are going to talk about Bolshie because I've got a funny follow-up from uh, last week's episode with Shane Warne, of course, looking for a Nissan for his daughter, Brooke, which is uh, something that we're going to have a yak about. But let's get our special guests on the phone. And I'll tell you what, uh, always like this time of the week because we get to play this and we get to talk to the great well, man. it's a big show. Oh, oh. It's growing on me, that. I, I like that, mate. If that was a come-out song for me, I'd be pumped. Jaren, Darren Chuck Berry, how are you, big Jared man? Darren Berry. <laughs> I thought you introduced me to Darren Gary, then. <laughs> how are That's you, mate? Here we go. All good? Uh, all good over on this side of the peninsula, boys. As we know, this is the bright side, and you guys are on the dark side. Uh, the Bellarine for a Timmy Ludeman and... I'm not sure what Warnable is. That's sort of just the end of the earth down there type of stuff. Oh, but mate, it hey, is a metropolis down here, big fella. It's yeah, like the yeah, end of the Great the Ocean Road. You know, the seven wonders of the world, Chuck. You know, we're part of it. Yeah. We're, we're living and on you, it. You, you are the eighth wonder of the world, Stewie. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, but no, it's big down there for three days, the May races. And apart from that, you sort of just go back into hibernation. But uh, it is good for three days. Now, I'm only joking. And Bolshe, I tell you, if he's listening to us tonight, I have had my phone this week after last week's show. Shane Warner's guest. If I've had one, I've had 100 text messages from the great man. I haven't heard from Bolshe about me Nissan Warrior from the daughter. Now, big fella, don't let him down. I know we've got a great sponsor, but he's got to deliver the goods. Every day I check for my car, hasn't arrived. I understand. But when you say to Warney, I've got a car coming your way and there's no car, Mate, I'm in trouble. Well, you know what? I saw those messages and you flicked them onto me. And, and I can specifically remember you saying to me, uh, you know, once you get this number of Warney, can you please delete it straight away? Because he doesn't like giving his number out. So I was really remiss of, you know, passing the number straight onto Bolshe. I just wanted to run it past everyone first. And you know what, Bolshe, I rang him up today and I said, listen, mate, you better follow up with Warney. And he said, the first thing he said to me, he said, mate, he said, I know. He said, but, you know, I've got to, I don't mind mixing with celebrities and stuff, but this bloke's kind of next level. He said, to be honest, I'm feeling a bit nervous about making the phone call. And I said, what? And he goes, I'm dead serious. He said, I'm actually shitting myself. I don't know. You know, I'm just unsure about ring him. And then he thought we were taking the piss out of him. We thought it was a sting until I gave him the number. And that's all I'm going to say. But the number kind of gives it away that it is, uh, it is showing. It does a little bit, but don't go any further than that. But no. you're right, so... Oh, she's got to follow up. I know we've got to introduce Timmy Ludeman here in a moment or two, but uh, yeah, mate, we've got to follow that up because the big fella's waiting for the Nissan Warrior and Bolshe's got to deliver the goods. Uh, looking forward to tonight because it's Ludie's turn, big fella, as you know. Yes. You've delivered Mark, Mark Leishman. Doesn't get much better than that. Uh, you, you tested me. I delivered Shane Warne, and tonight, <laughs> Ludie. It's Ludie's turn. Mm, and and he's, been, he's been talking up a big game, but let's get on. You're copying that anywhere you go, Timmy. How are you, mate? 
very good, very good. I didn't realise it was a little lamb until this week, but I do have quite a hairy chest like a little lamb, but just none on my head, unfortunately. <laughs> you do have a hairy chest. And into me today on social media too about my hairline, and I thought, hang on a minute, that's pot kettle black stuff for sure. Oh, mate, when you're a media personality like yourself, you need to keep well-trimmed and well-manicured, and you, your beard was horrible, salt and pepper everywhere. Yeah, but I wasn't on TV today. You know, like, I was just, uh, you know, like all they do is, you know, when they cross to people and they just have their photo, like a correspondent on track? That was me today, <laughs> you blokes. So uh, They was, couldn't do the KFC bucket sitting next to you then. Do you know what? I give KFC a fair, <laughs> a fair run, too, at Hamilton. When the, when the race are at Hamilton, I uh, sneak through that drive through sometimes before the races and sometimes after the races, you two blokes. <laughs> just uh, just checking it out, making sure. Now, listen, uh, it is over to you this week, uh, and I'm a little bit concerned because uh, I push the buttons. much. Here in the studio, we'll chuck you. You know, like I push the buttons, I have to kind of get the guest on the phone. And uh, yep. unless you're going to give the guest number out here live, mate, uh, what's going on? Well, I'll just let you in a little secret here, too, because it got to Thursday or Friday last week, and I, I didn't have anyone, I admit, I was struggling a bit. And I got a little text message from the big show himself, Darren Chuckberry. He said, Boots, I'll be your guest this week. I'm happy to be your mm. guest. Just question me all night. I'll go with it. It'll be fine. So I'll be <laughs> with that. My guest tonight Idiot. is Darren Berry. So it, it, Idiot. I must admit, in the text messages early, you know, we have a bit of a yak after the show, who we're going to shoot for next week, all that kind of stuff. And uh, Looney, he was talking himself up a little bit with a few stories and a little bit it's going on, wasn't he? If you're going to continue down this theme, we might have to end this podcast straight away. You know it's all about me. Me, 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 me. And uh, so I'm gathering that Benjamin Button. Did you like the photo I sent you through? Did you have Ludie when he was born last night at birth? I actually lost it. When I saw that photo, I lost it, big fella, I must admit. Um, it's quite interesting the banter between us three. Like we we know each other well enough, but uh, geez, I have a chuckle at times. Like uh, with some of the stuff, especially you two, you kind of uh, you're not backwards and coming forwards with each other, are you? No, it was supposed to be sort of respect for the older bloke, you know. And he's calling me he's calling me fossil. You know, I, I dragged him out of Nestle's cricket club and took him down to Carlton, put him on the map, got him over to South Australia. And in return, what do you get? You get Big Show, you get Fossil, you get uh, Heart Attack, you get Out of Touch. Uh, that's the sort of respect for the youngsters of today, big fella. That's what you get. Oh, and what about the no guest, honestly? Uh, you know, we've delivered in spades, myself and you, Chuck. And, and look, you know, to, to Ludie's credit, he got his fishing buddy on uh, Paddy Dangerfield. Um, Hang on, and that was on the back of Chuck not having a guest, wasn't it? I think I saved his ass that week. Actually, I think you might have actually, Ludie, to be honest. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. You did save me. So uh, I didn't get any text messages to, to save you this week. But you know what, big fella, in all seriousness, this is a great test for us tonight. We have had some big guests, and we're going to talk about them later in the show, about who our favourite guest has been. And and then we'll let the listeners decide their favourite show. But I think we've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. In general, the sport footy's coming back, and uh, we've got a few... I teased it a bit today on social media. Tim Ludeman, I'm not sure what you're in charge, big fella, has picked the team, the best players that he played with, yep. and I've picked them, the best players that I played with, and we're going to match these two teams up, yep. and you are the judge. 
Jeez. So I hope you're ready for that tonight. I might have to do a bit of googling as we go, just to uh, you know check in on a few of the plays that you're throwing up. But I'm I'm really looking forward to that, to be honest, you blokes. You just touched on it then, uh, Chuck. Uh, the AFL fixture has been released in the last 24 hours. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Look, you know, it's a changing uh, world every day, isn't it? This uh, pandemic that we are in. What was your like, Chuck? You call the footy for K Rock, mate. What was your initial thoughts? Well, initially, very excited that footy's back, and I think a lot of the country is. It's going to be very different again with no fans there. No matter how we sugarcoat it, it's not the same. However, we can sit in our lounge rooms and watch football. As a St Kilda supporter, I'm a bit dark because there was no free-to-air games. In the first four, I'm sure they'll get some, but the Saints are not happy. They're only on pay TV, so their fans, mm. you know, not everyone can afford pay TV. So I thought that was a bit of a stink that my mob St Kilda didn't get any games. There, there are 125 fans uh, would be disappointed with that result, Looney, wouldn't they? You know, like the, one of the smallest, uh, you know, membership bases in Victoria, and they're blowing about not getting any free-to-air TV. <laughs> It's, a, it's the first thing that stood out. The first thing that stood out to me actually was Frio St Kilda Gold Coast, no free to air TV, and then <laughs> Brisbane, North Melbourne, Adelaide, Carlton, Port Adelaide only get one match in the first four mm. four rounds. So interesting. Well, the 125 fans—they're loyal at the Saints, and they're they're not happy down at Moorabbin, I tell you that. But uh, the Cats, obviously, yep. Yeah, I, I, I work for K Rock, and I can't wait to be back calling the footy. I said to you guys before. Of the things I've been lucky enough to do in my life, the thing that I enjoy most, and I don't, is calling the AFL footy. And I know you call local footy, Stewie. It's just great to go to the footy and be able to call the champions of the game. So I'm looking forward to that. Still don't know whether we're going to be actually. I don't think we're going to be allowed to go to the venue. So you know, we I might have to drive to Geelong and and call out of the uh, K Rock Studios, or we might have to be at AFL House. Or so that's all to be confirmed. Or even Mount Eliza, like, like this big fella. Might be off the uh, big show screen. Uh, the Cat fans are pretty happy because they've got three three of the first four games uh, down at GMHBA Stadium. Uh, now, that is an advantage, not so much at the home crowd. Geelong just win. They win at Geelong. I think it's 33 of the last 37. I might stand corrected there. Somewhere around that, they do not lose at Geelong. So that's a really good start for the Cats, I would have thought, uh, to kick off. There they go. There they go, big fella. You'd be up in a bit. What is it, Chuck, though? It's just it's the crap design of the ground down there, isn't it? Like, it's a Very narrow. Dark. Yeah, and, and it's, it's the most. I was watching Footy Classified. Matty Lloyd was saying it's the, the ground with the most out of bounds on the full because of that narrowness. Well, again, commentating a lot at Geelong over the years down at K-Rock, uh, you do see that a lot. And Geelong know the ground, and they were talking a bit technical now, but they close off the ground and make it even smaller with their defensive unit if you know what I'm talking about not all our listeners will but they know the ground they train they play they know it whereas a lot of teams come down there and it it sounds stupid because you should know where the boundary line is but it's like 22 meters narrower than the MCG people kick the ball out on the full a lot so I think the cats have got a good leg up there and good on them I'm I mean even though I don't barrack for them because I commentate a lot of their games I'm looking forward to that Overall, Stewie, I'm just glad that we are going to get... I didn't think we were going to have AFL this year, I must admit, so I'm wrapped that we're going to have it. 
No, I think it's fantastic that we're back. Oh, you know, Geelong have been blooming for years, haven't they, Ludy? Um, about not getting. And you live in the town, mate. You know what it's like. It's a parochial uh, one-eyed town at its best. But they've been blooming that they haven't had finals down there and all that kind of stuff. This year's probably the year. Um, you know, all things being equal, they might get some finals down there as well if they can uh, if they can get in that uh, that final eight. Yeah, definitely. Are. I think I think it's good for the town. Obviously, no fans, but um, you know that'll that'll come back at some point. But um, hopefully, by the end of the season. But yeah, it's been brilliant. The bubble down here and their own papers going nuts. It's just like living in Adelaide. It's perfect. And um, they're all mad one-eyed Geelong supporters, and I I am a Geelong supporter, so I love it and buy into that. That rubbish, I suppose, but it's it's good fun. I never brought it up a couple of weeks ago, boys, but when we had Bluey McGrath on uh, in my year at the Falcons in 1994, uh, we trained at Cadinia Park every Thursday night. We trained out there on the main oval. And afterwards, we had a great sponsorship with Beaumont's Pies and Pasties. Great little... Uh, <laughs> Great little venue down there in July. I think and they're still going. that was the end of your career, Big Well, that, that was because I'll tell you what we do. We walk <laughs> off the ground, we'd have a pie and a pasty. This is back in the day, and uh, we'd jump in the car and make the uh, the two-hour drive back to Warnable on a Thursday night. We'd stop at Colac KFC, possibly. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Alan Thompson steering. But I can remember Bluey McGrath coming in one night. This is a Fairdigham story. And uh, he stuck his head in, and he couldn't believe that we were training. You know, out there an hour and a half sweating training our butts off and then we'd come in and we'd have pies and pasties from Beaumont's. He was bluing about it and uh, I think he was right, to be honest. I think he was right on the money. What were we doing? Ludy, Ludy, that tells me a fair bit. And you know you know, Matty Stewart, the big fella, our host, better than I do. I mean, I've only met him a few times at the races. And look, we call him the big fella. He's not that bad, to be honest. But people have got a false perception. Everyone says to me, how big is he, you know? I said, no, he's, he's not big. that bad. But, well, <laughs> mate, if you were down at the Geelong Falcons and you were eating KFC and pies and pasties, That's what they do, you sort of think, do, you look, do you look back and think, maybe I probably could have done it a little bit differently? And did you play it full forward for the Falcons? No, 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 mate. I was, a, I was 72 kilos back then, believe it or not, you two blokes. I was what, absolute, what about your other leg? I was, <laughs> I was a rake and I was a halfback flanker. Uh, kind of back pocket, mate. And uh, do you know what? I think I was telling you blokes at the start of the year, that 1994 team, we had seven or eight players drafted, which is a fair whack of a team, isn't it? When you when you go back and you think about, uh, you know, the blokes that got drafted that year, that is a fair contingent of uh, of one outfit. We had a wonderful team, and uh, we got beat in the grand mm. final by the Northern Knights. That was the day Gary Moorcroft sat on uh, a mate of our Jeremy Dyer's head there at the MCG. And uh, he went on to bigger and better things. But, um, yeah, good days. Good days. 72 kilos to probably 122 in the space of, uh, what, 20 years, you blokes? No, I'm not 122. Now, I'm not 122, all right? I'm probably about 115. <laughs> anyone would think, uh, think KFC is a sponsor of ours now. We mentioned it 35 times already tonight. Yeah, I know. What are we doing? What are we doing? So, all in all, we're happy with the fixture. You know, it's obviously yep. going to be done for TV. Uh, I know we both work on radio, Chuck, but it's a it's a TV delight, really, because that's the only way the AFL are going to make the most of this uh, financially, isn't it? 100%, and that's evident in the Thursday night games and now a Sunday night fixture, which didn't work in the past for the AFL, but that was because people don't want to go to the game on a Sunday night. They've got work and the kids have got school the next day. But I can't, I'm actually pumped for Sunday night because how good, you know, it's sort of the end of the weekend. 
yep, we've got work tomorrow, and I went back to work today with my school kids. Uh, but Sunday night, sit down and watch, you know, the Saints and, and the Blues on TV or whatever it is. Or I won't get to on free-to-air, obviously. But you know what I mean? Sunday night footy, I think without the crowds, will be a winner. Maybe not with the crowds, but without the crowds. Mm. I reckon it's a great, great night. Yeah, yeah, well, no one was going to those Sunday games, was it? That was kind of the death deal. I reckon Correct. that uh, Carlton and Collingwood game was the one that uh, really shot it in the foot. But I love I love Thursday night footy, and I do like Sunday footy, Ludie. Oh, definitely. I think it'll be brilliant. Um, obviously, the AFL have had to do it, but, um, I mean, we've, we've been sapped of footy for the moment, so as much footy as we can get, I'm happy to see it and happy to watch it. It'll be brilliant. Now, listen, I, I, I don't know whether this is totally off the cuff, right? Chuck, you can say, no, I don't want to go there. But, uh, yeah, you just mentioned how you got into football calling and stuff. Can you, can we go to, um, you know, like how you started into uh, into boundary riding and all that back in the day, Chuck? And uh, even, can we touch on the story we kind of spoke about off air last week in regards to your um, gig at a football club? Yeah, we can. That's great, Stewie. That's the last time we speak off here about anything. I mean, without no <laughs> sure on air. It's uh, absolutely wonderful. I mean, uh, but you're, uh, no, you're comfortable I'm, I'm to talk about it because I, you thought me and Ludie were setting you up last week when we were talking yep. about guests. And, uh, and Ludie brought up Grant Thomas, and Grant Thomas being a Warnable bloke, and I have, I've interviewed him a couple of times here locally, spoke to him a little bit. Um, yeah, I said, yeah, absolutely, I can uh, try to get him on, that'd be great, blah, blah, blah. And, and you kind of said, well, I might sit that one off, boys. Can you please, please, if you want to, you don't have to share the story, I'm quite happy. But Ludie, oh, I must admit, yeah, no, I was, no, I was just, blown away. I'll tell yeah, I was blown away too. You'd just be very on edge for the rest of the night, Stewie, because, you know, some of the private stuff we've chatted about in your life, just at any stage, right, and I could just throw it in and say, do you want to have a chat about that, Stewie? What do you reckon? Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Well, I'm giving you the option to say no, Saka. Yep, I'll give you the real short story, given we're all by ourselves tonight. Uh, When I was finishing my uh, cricketing career, um, I'm a mad Saints fan, as people know, and one of my mates was the runner for St Kilda, and I'll try and keep this story short. And at the time, there was two AFL runners at each club, and they needed a second runner. And my mate said, how would you like to come and run for St Kilda? And I thought, well, how good's this? Number one, I can be involved at the elite level, run for the Saints, and more importantly, at the end of my career, when I was starting to drop off a little bit, keep the fitness up in the off-season. So I said, no worries, down I go. Uh, again, long story short, I think the runners get paid a little bit of pocket money. I said, I don't want any money. I'm not interested in getting paid to get fit and run for the Saints. Grant Thomas was coach, and I know he's a highly respected uh, coach down, Coach Colac, didn't he? There's some flags and stuff down there. No, warnable, mate. Can't oh, let Jesus, mate, the blues. <laughs> sorry, so clearly I've done the research on Grant Thomas, and you'll know why in a minute. Um, so he was the coach of the Saints. He was a list manager, he was CEO, uh, he was a head trainer, massage therapist. <laughs> let's, let's just put it straight. Grant Thomas, run the show, full stop. End of story. Um, he's covered up the fact... No, no, I'll leave that alone. Uh, I was going to talk about Malcolm Blight, but we'll leave that. Tomo was coach. I didn't know him from a bar of soap. Met him. Oh, nice to meet you, Darren, blah, blah, Now, I was, I was boundary rider for Triple M. That's how I started my radio career before I got on K-Rock. And, you know, Boundary Rider, you sit down there and give a couple of ins and outs, and it's a pretty easy job. 
did post-match interview, you're a microphone holder. Two questions and you go upstairs. No, no, ro- no yep. rocket science. Yep. That's it. But you've got to start at the um, bottom and work your way up. That's it. So I, I said to Grant Thomas that when I got the job, and I told him that, and he sort of just brushed it off. Well, I did all the pre-season, and I remember I went to North Ballarat for the first practice match up there. We played North Melbourne, did the job, felt pretty good, had a shower. And he pulled me aside. He said, mate, uh, what's that radio gig? He said, you do that every week. I said, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he was pretty upset that I was in the media. And I said, mate, I'm doing Boundary Rider. Nothing happened. I did round one at the MCG. Um, I wasn't the fastest runner, let's be honest, Stewie. I got caught inside <laughs> 50, which is uh, was going to, as the goal's been kicked in, if you're caught inside 50, it's a free kick to the opposition. The runner had to get out of the congested zone. So I had to pretty much run over the boundary line, my little fat legs, to get out of the way. And I thought, Tomo's not going to be happy. There was no free kick, so I escaped. After the match, he said, Chuck, mate, the media, I'm worried about it. I said, what are you worried about? He said, well, you know, if you're going to be working at uh, St Kilda, well, actually, he said, I'll tell the story, at my club, uh, I can't have you in the media. I said, Tomo, what's your problem, mate? I'm, uh, you know, I'm captain state cricket. I know how it works. I'm not going to reveal any secrets or anything like that. He gave me the ultimatum, basically, and he said, you either work in the media or you work for the Saints. Now, some people would say, yep, that's fair enough. I thought it was a bit harsh, someone that offered his uh, services free of charge. was down there to help out, loved what I was doing. Love the he club. He said, I'll give you 20, 24 hours to think about it. Now, I sort of half thought he was winding me up. Yep. yep. He rang me the next day. He said, you made your decision? I said, yep. He said, what are you going to do? I said, mate, I can do both. He said, Chuck, I told you, I've got to make a decision. So uh, clearly you've made your decision. See you later. And that, that, and that was it. After one game. So you got the arses runner of your childhood <laughs> favourite club ever. <laughs> and, you know, the dream job of running around out there, giving messages to like Nick Rewalt and all those kind of blokes after one game because exactly. you were doing a bit of boundary riding for Triple M. Triple M rocking footy, and I was doing the boundary. So Tomo gave me the arse. I was one of many that he gave the arse to. And it was probably the start of my career of getting the arse, to be perfectly honest. I then got the arse from Victoria as a player. I went and coached South Australia. Ludie gave me the arse over there. And uh, this could be the end tonight for the Chuck Ludie and big fella. You're, the arse here. you're on the wrong podcast, mate. You need to be on Johnny Ralph's sack series. Sack. I need to be on set. Ludie, that's an amazing. We were blown away. Like we, we, it kind of come from nowhere, that story. I had no idea you ever were a runner. I, I must admit, I was blown away, but it just shows, uh, yeah, just Grant Thomas. He, he was just uh, full on by the sounds of it. Ruthless, yeah. Ruthless, yeah. I, well, my uncles played under him at Warnable and they love him. I think he's the best thing since sliced bread. So uh, that's why I brought his name up. I thought oh, he'd be great to get on the show with a bit of a warnable following and uh, obviously done pretty well in the AFL. But, yeah, I didn't actually know that story at all with, uh, with Chuck and Tomo. Have you seen him since, Chuck? Like, have you ran into him or seen him at the football or anything? Or? Uh, we've not. Well, we've crossed paths, but there, was, there wasn't a lot of love there. I must admit, I was really, I was really disappointed at the time. I, I was pissed off with it, to be honest. And... No, so I won't be sending Christmas cards, but uh, look, I think he did a great job at St Kilda as coach, and and guys like Nick Rewalt, that they absolutely love him. So I'm not casting any dispersions on his coaching. Uh, the fact that he gave me the ass left a bit of a sour taste because I was the boundary rider for Triple M. I mean, give me a break. Anyway, he, he probably uh, done you a favour though, mate, because look at your radio career has just blossomed. You've just you grew into that role of Triple M. You've ended up calling the footy at K Rock. So, look, mate, honestly, Tomo's probably given you the biggest leg up ever. 
that's what he would say, that he pushed my media career. And, uh, well, anyway, that was just one little yarn back in the day. And uh, I, was, I was quite shocked. I thought Ludie was doing his normal sort of quiet Timmy the Lamb and taking the piss, but he was actually being serious. <laughs> Have you ever been? Have you ever been given the? Oh, you have, I suppose, Ludie, haven't you? You've been given the ass uh, or sacked at uh, you know cricket clubs and that. Yeah, I definitely got yeah the ass from the sacker as well. So I know exactly how Chuck feels. But um, that's a funny story too. But we'll save that for another day. Oh come on, mate! You can't just leave us hanging there. Give us the sacker story. <laughs> and then and then Chuck no, no, from the Renegades. Then Chuck from the Renegades, Ludie was. And now, as we touched on Stewie, and I'll let Ludie take it up. Sacked as Geelong coach a couple of weeks ago. What is this fair? Come on, what you, you didn't really you didn't really elaborate on that the other day, Ludi. Uh, not Geelong. No, I wasn't sacked. I'm moved, stepped away. No longer uh, want to compete at the level. Um, got family and work and other priorities in my life which have taken over. So Premier cricket became a little bit too much for me, unfortunately. But I was definitely sacked from the sacker and from the Renegades. Yeah, for sure. Mate, give us the give us the sacker story then. What happened at uh, at South Australian Cricket Association? <coughs> oh, look, I've got no hard feelings. Elite sport's pretty ruthless, but um, you know, I played eight nine years for the sacker, something like that. And then, um, yeah, basically what happened was I got an email. Um, from the the coach at the time um, who put me off contract, I guess. Um, and I was CC'd into the email. It was meant to be the high-performance manager, Tim Nielsen, CC'd into that email. Um, and the coach was writing an email to another player about pre-season. And he, I don't think he's overly good with his technology. And he CC'd in Tim Ludeman instead of Tim Nielsen. Oh, this is um, gold. So, I, haven't this. I haven't heard this story, Stuart. So I was actually... Just cracking open a beer to have a listen. <laughs> I was actually, uh, you know, off contract, so I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. I can take the piss out of him here because I'm no longer on contract. So I wrote an email back trying to be funny and tagged Tim Nielsen in it so he was aware. And then... Um, and then he, I got an email back from him and I hadn't heard from him since I got the chop. Um, and he just said, uh, oh, sorry, mate, my mistake. Uh... So also, sorry, I haven't spoken to you since your move off contract. I just had nothing worthwhile to say, really. And that was it. Had nothing worthwhile to say? Yeah, oh, so that sort of... Hey, was that from, was that from Jamie Siddons yeah. or from Tim Nielsen? Jamie Siddons, yeah. So, you know, ten, nine, oh, eight or nine years of service and God. then you get that email, which wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even meant to get. So if, that, if he didn't stuff up his, with his technology, I would never have got an email to start with. And we wouldn't have spoken anyway, but yeah, that's, that's that, I suppose that sums up elite sport. It doesn't end well. That's just what it is. You know, you you while you're performing and doing well, everyone loves you and everyone wants you. But as soon as you stop performing um, and doing what you're meant to or paid to do, uh, basically you put in the bin. And that's I suppose it's the same in coaching. Chuck Chuck saw that. Stewie's probably you would have seen that at, at local level as well. That's that's the uh, the harsh reality of it. Can I just I'll share a little story and it, it harps back to the, the Falcons in nineteen ninety four. Uh, and my, my tenure there didn't uh, end real well either, boys. Uh, I don't know whether you know this story, Ludie, but uh, it's kind of like country football folklore. Uh, anyway, um, I'd played, because we travelled from Warnable, so it was a big commitment to go down and play at Geelong. You know, we were doing Year 12. Um, you know, we'd leave at lunchtime on a Thursday, kind of get back at 10.30 on a Thursday night, doing VCE, all that kind of stuff, big commitment. And uh, we had a good team, as I said earlier, and I think I'd played 16 out of the 18 games in the, in the regular season. And uh, there's a bloke come back, and he was a private school boy down in Geelong, 
And I just, you know, I just kind of thought I could see, you know, a couple of these little private school boys were kind of getting opportunities before us. And, and the bloke's name was a fellow by the name of Clinton Peak. Did you ever come across Peaky Boys? Peaky, one of the great cricket, greatest players probably for Geelong Cricket Club ever. And uh, he, he played for Victoria, Chuck, didn't he? I played with him. I played with Clinton Peak, so we know exactly who you're talking about. Little man, good footballer, South Barwon. Uh, he actually he actually looked a little bit like Benjamin Button as well, to be honest. I reckon <laughs> I might have called him Benjamin Button because Clinton Peak was 50 when he was born. And a ripping fella, Peak. You make no mistake about it. He's, He's a, a great, great fella. But I, he, he played private school footy all year, so he hadn't even played with us. And uh, Terry Bright was coaching the Falcons at the time, and uh, good fella. Terry was a was a was a nutcase, uh, you know, like as in in a in a good way. Like he'd just give a sprays like you wouldn't believe. You'd never get it, uh, get away with it in this day and age in, in that under eighteen uh, underage football. But Terry was very passionate, and uh, he was very emotive and very emotional. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was good fun, you know. And anyway, uh, so towards the back half of the season, there's about three or four games to go. And uh, they brought in Peaky straight out of the uh, the private school kind of system and straight in, which didn't sit well. Where with was him. he? Geelong, Geelong Grammar or something? So, somewhere like that, I think, mate. Yeah, I think it might have been Grammar or something. I'm not too sure, but it just it didn't sit well because then I started and I'd never played. I didn't start any games on the pine until he kind of come back, you know. And so it just it, it left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth um, towards the back half of the year. Anyway. Comes around uh, 18, final round of the year, and uh, start on the pine for the first time for the year. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of disappointed, and I'm kind of, you know, I, I, I kind of call it how I see it. You blokes know that. I don't hold back. And uh, anyway, we're, uh, we've kicked something like nine goals in the first quarter against uh, Slug Jordan's Western Jets. We're up and about, and I'm sitting there, because I'm just thinking, great, eh? You know, we need to get beaten or something here today to get yourself back in the mix. And uh, we've got off to a flyer, on and off the bench for the whole first half, you know, on for five minutes, off for five minutes, on, you know, and I was getting more and more frustrated, uh, angry, pissed off, whatever you want to call it. And uh, anyway, we've gone in half time, and, you know, I was pretty, uh, pretty disappointed. And Brighty come over, you know, got to lift your head, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, first five minutes, back on in the third quarter, then back off again. And then the next time I thought, no, I've had enough here. This is it for me. The messages come down, the phones come down, and uh, and they said, oh, you're, going, uh, you're going back on? And I said, no, I'm not. And they turned and I said, you're going? you're going? And I said, no, that's it, boys. That's it for me. Anyway, they've handed me the phone. Brighty's sitting over the coach's box. They've handed me the phone. Brighty goes, what are you doing? I said, no, that's it, boys. I'm going to have a shower. I'll catch you around. And with that, I walked down, I walked down the race at uh, Skilled Stadium, looking into your park, uh, jumped in the shower. Uh, I remember me old man. Me, the KFC. Me old man was on crutches. He had a broken leg at the top. He come down on the crutches while I'm in the shower. He goes, what are you doing? And I said, nah, that's it. I've had enough. I said, I've played all year, and they've treated me with disdain at the end of the year. And uh, that was it. I, uh, I kind of cracked it. And, uh, oh, man. Yeah, that sookie, was, sookie, la, they, la. they made the grand final, and everything. I was pretty shattered. It was pretty shattering. It was a shattering Scotty year. Pippen. I'm starting to call you Scotty Pippen, mate. When um, things didn't go right, out come the toys. And uh, in the David Gower... Straight to KFC, back to the board, and the country legend was born. I think I was just like, I think I was standing up for all country boys that were playing. I just said, no, we've had enough of this. We're not putting up with you city slickers just dominating and coming back when you want. And uh, 
but yeah, that was that was it. But I still, it's funny, you know, because I, I I run into Terry Bright, Murray Wickham, who was assistant coach, uh, Big John O, Pete Johnston. Uh, they all come down to my races. We have a laugh. We talk about the story. It always gets a run. Um, you know, Paul Armstrong, I know with you know Armour. Armour was our team manager at the time, ripping fella. Um, yeah, we, we always have a bit of a chuckle about it. That was... Uh, Fun and fun and games, but you know what? It Good happens. work, Scotty. Happens, Scotty Pippen. <laughs> mate. Uh, Pippen. I'm not going on. Not going on. If you're not going to throw it to me to shoot the basket, you're going to go to Kukoc. You can stick it up your peak ass. I'm out of here. <laughs> and, and mate, I get, I get, I, I, you know, I, I get along with Peaky great, you know. But I just, it just rattled my cage a bit. That you know, he hadn't played all year. <laughs> I'd done the hard yards traveling down the highway. Getting me Beaumont's pasties and pies and me KFC on the way home. <laughs> I deserve more than that, you blokes. And I just felt like I needed to make a stand for the country boys. Oh, that's big really for you good. too, Stuart, because you to give up pies and pasties and the opportunity to get free ones, that's pretty big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's a, it was a bad, bad, bad thing. I, you know, I look back now and it was uh, no good. But, uh, you know... Hey, you, boys, just while you... Speaking of giving pies and pasties, a little teaser, and I haven't locked in a date yet, but uh, I spoke to a gentleman today by the name of Greg Ritchie. Now, the great fat cat, one of the great entertainers on the speaking circuit, and he's got some unbelievable stories. I read a story about him last night. Last time I saw him, I was worried about him. Like, we call you big fella. The fat cat was about 140 kilos, and he was in no good shape. I read a story last night. He's he's down to 95 kilos. I phoned him today, and amazing story. I don't want to spoil it because I said, mate, will you come on the podcast and tell the story? Awesome. Love to, Chuck. So we've got, we got Fat Cat Richie, and a lot of our listeners will be looking forward to that one. We, we might have a couple of weeks rest, and we'll bring him out in about three or four weeks' time. He'll be fantastic. Mate, he's lost 42 kilos. That is a huge effort. Absolutely uh, huge. I used to get, uh, you know, when I played uh, B-grade for Nestles back in the day, uh, the boys kind of used to give me the fat cat Richie call uh, in the in the cricket yep. whites. <laughs> Similarities there, I reckon. <laughs> Although I don't reckon I don't reckon he ever had blood coming out of his rear end when he was playing Lord Bowles, though. So, <laughs> <laughs> I've, 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 do you know what? Memory. And I'm just putting it out there early. Uh, I'm going to play cricket this year. I'm going to play Division Three uh, with Nestles. Nettles? So, yes, yeah, I'm going to... Great club. Uh, Lukey Can and uh, Trenny Hill and uh, Boz Brown, a few of the boys going to get back together and uh, we're going to give it a shake this year. So look out. Look Stuart, listen, Thanks. I'm a bit concerned. We haven't got any special guests tonight and if you're going to start talking Nestle's D-grade story, <laughs> I'm not sure our listenership's going to go through the roof. Eastman, Dangerfield, Lion, Payne, Warren, and you're talking Nestle's D-grade. Chuck, I actually played in an A-grade... Uh, Nestle's flag. You mightn't even realise this, Ludie. I was a uh, 17-year-old kid, and uh, we beat Caroit uh, up at the Reed Oval, and I was in there as a specialist fielder, uh, 12th man fielder, the big fella, a young kid, athletic, could bounce around the field like you wouldn't believe, and I dropped their number one batsman three times, Desi Douglas, three times at point. Desi Douglas. The big fella's put him down, not once, not twice, but three times in a grand final, and I was in there for my fielding. 
Well, I'm learning a lot about you tonight, Stewie. I must admit, yeah, you know, walked out of the Falcons, Scotty Pippen style, got picked as a specialist fielder and put three on the deck. I reckon we need to change tune because you're not you're not dragging them through at the moment. <laughs> hey, listen, <laughs> you're right. Now I want to hear you've told us about a camp story, Chuck, and I, I, oh. I want—is this like a you know one day band camp? What are we? Where are we going yep. with this? I've never told this story, I'm telling you. I mean, yeah, I do a few sporties here and there, and and my daughter begged me not to share this story. She said, do not, please, Dad, don't tell the story. But I'm prepared on Chuck Ludie and the big fella because you know what got me thinking about it was the Tim Payne story a few weeks ago, and we know that that went viral all over the world. I'm not sure mine's going to reach the same heights, but what I hope I can do in the next four minutes is entertain you two. Because sadly, it's got a similar undertone, a bit like when you were playing lawn bowls that you shared with us a while back and you had a few little troubles. Mm. Well, just picture this, just picture this. And Ludie doesn't, no no one except my family knows the story. (laughs) It's very embarrassing and I'm prepared to be embarrassed for the sake of our show. I hope it goes okay. <laughs> this, uh, I don't even know. Like, honestly, Lutz, do we know where this is going? This is just from no, nowhere. I've got, I've got no and idea. I'm, nervous. I'm, I'm actually nervous telling it, Lutz. Uh, you know <laughs> so this is, public, got... this is public forum, just so you know. Like, this is going to go everywhere. I know. And if anyone in Adelaide is listening, I'll probably never live it down. But you know what? What I've learned recently with my health uh, little scare, you've got to have, be able to laugh at yourself. If you can't laugh at yourself, seriously. Correct. So here I, this is what I can tell you. My daughter is in grade four at a prestigious private school in Adelaide. Right. And I am coach of the South Australian cricket team and the Adelaide Strikers. Now, you know, not that that's a huge deal, but in Adelaide, as Ludy knows, it's a bit like being in Geelong. Most people know who the state coach is and who the players are. And the fathers of the grade four girls, it was an all-girls school, Every year, I didn't know this, they have a, a overnight camping trip where they go in the Adelaide Hills, one of the blokes' properties. In the, I'm talking the middle of nowhere. You have to drive 24 k's on a dirt track and you pull up at this paddock and it's the grade four girls and their dads. Awesome. Now, I knew, two, I knew two or three of the dads. And again, you know, a few of the dads, oh, you know, the state coaches coming along and you know, I couldn't give a cracker, as you know. I'm just a country boy, so I was happy for to go along. Mate, you would have had you would have had your South Australian Western redback tracksuit, everything on. You would have been just letting them know <laughs> that the Sarkers in town. One hundred percent, I did. Uh, I tried to keep very low key. And I, all I had, boys, all I had was a, a little two man tent. Right. Well, and, so you had to take your own. Them, you had to take your own. Mate, sleeping. this was bring everything your own. We're staying in the middle. Two of man nowhere. tent. Put your head in there. Where'd you put your body? <laughs> Correct. Can you imagine? How did my ten-year-old daughter go? So we've rolled up to this campsite, right? And I'm telling you, remote Adelaide Hills, Ludie. You know what I'm talking about here on someone's yeah, property. Yeah, rugged, rugged. Yeah. The first thing I said to my daughter is, "Where do we go to the toilet?" And she goes, I don't know, Dad. We better have a look. There's nothing, mate. We're just in the middle of nowhere. So I go over to one of the dads. I said, you know, the, the daughter needs to sort of go for a forest gum. Where, where does she go? And uh, he said, mate, see those two trees over there? There's a shovel. And it was the old, there was a hole, dig a hole and make sure you cover it up style. And I thought, are you serious? 
And they sort of had an area for the dads and an area for the daughters, in fairness. You know, the daughters <laughs> were over there and the dads were over there. And I'm thinking, man, this is, you know, I'm used to staying in the five-star luxury with the Redbacks. Now I'm doing it. I'm in a two-man tent. I'm with my 10-year-old daughter. I'm out in the middle of nowhere. It's freezing cold. So they start the fire. And all the dads around the open fire. We're having a couple of beers. We've got these big uh, tomahawk steaks on the, on the open fire. The girls are toasting marshmallows. It was a cracking night. Few stories. Got to about 10 o'clock. All the dads put the daughters to bed. Off they go. Make sure you go to the toilet because you don't want to get up in the middle of the night. Snake central and all this stuff. We stay around the fire, all the dads, probably 15 dads. And beers went to red wine, tomahawk steaks. And I reckon about one o'clock, I'd had me feel. I'm done. You know, I'm ready to go, go to bed. I find me way, staggered to the two-man tent with the poor old daughter, you know, and I'm probably burping and farting and, you know, bad manners. <laughs> and my 10-year-old daughter, she's as shy and quiet as a mouse. She's asleep in the tent. I thought, oh, I probably should go for a little whizzer before we go to sleep. So I sort of wandered over to the gentleman's section and I had a wee behind the tree. And as I got into bed, Stewie, I thought, gee, I hope I don't have to get up during the night, like in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, have to go and squat over the little hole, have a forest gump and, you know, dig it in. I wasn't looking forward, so no worries. Oh, no, I don't need to go to the toilet. I jump into bed without a word of a lie. At about 5.15am, the tummy starts rumbling. <laughs> the tummy starts gurgling and I'm thinking, I'm in a spot of bother here. My daughter's asleep. The sun was just, you know, it was sort of just... Cra I thought, I can't sneak out because if anyone, they could see you. It wasn't dark, but it wasn't light. It was that, you know, sun sunrise. <laughs> and I'm thinking... Oh man, I've re I do got to, I've got to go. And you know when you've got a real massive diarrhoea building. And an, absolutely and an now. After grog bog too, like you know 100%. what I mean. Hundred yes. percent. And I reckon the the ten West Ends plus a couple of nice reds and the tomahawk steak it all mixed up. And what was brewing was not pretty. And I'm thinking, should I? Can I hold? I don't want to go out. And it was one of those things, do I, don't I, do I, don't I? Well, it got, honestly, I was uncomfortable and I thought, if I don't go, if I don't go, I'm going to shit myself. So I sort of tried, I tried, and this is where it gets really embarrassing and embarrassing for my daughter. I was going to say this for her 21st birthday story, and uh, I'm embarrassed, but you can probably put the pieces together, and I'll just quickly give you the pieces. I... Imagine this site, Ludie. I'm trying to crawl out of the two-man tent at 5.15am. <laughs> Couldn't find the torch. I've got boxer shorts on and a long sleeve shirt. I get out the sleeping bag and I'm gently unzipping the tent and that after-grog bog was not going to hold on, Stewie. <laughs> and I had to make the dash. I had to make the dash oh, no. about 25 metres to the hole in the ground. <laughs> well, I'm not proud of this. I'm not proud to say, my daughter's woken and stirred and said, Daddy, you all right? I said, no, Dale, I'm, I'm not good. She goes, what's the matter? I said, I'm busting to go to the toilet. Quick, Dad, get out of the tent. I'm not joking, and I, I'm embarrassed to say, and I can't believe it. I was going to tell this story on Hamish and Andy. You know when you've got to go, a bit like Tim Payne? Well, 
mate, I have unloaded <laughs> as I'm getting out of the two men out of the two men pet boys. My poor old daughter to this day has begged me not to tell the story. Well, it gets it gets worse, Stewie. It's actually seeping out of the box of shorts and, and I've you know when you can't stop. I couldn't there was no control, there was no doubt. I was trying desperately to push stop and I'm not joking, it's running down the legs. It's running it's running on my sleeping bag. My daughter, my poor daughter, I, I can't believe I'm telling this story. She is almost gagging. She's almost dry reaching. But you tell me now, boys, what what do I do? So I've got I've got Richard the Third all down the legs, all in my boxes, all over my sleeping bag. I had to get my daughter to get out of the tent, go into the car and find a towel to come and tidy up her old man's mess, the state coach who's there with all the fathers on camp. Can you imagine the embarrassment? I'm thinking, what do I do now? Do I walk to the toilet area with it all over me? I'm covered in shit. My daughter is now crying. She's embarrassed. I say to her, get in the car. Get in the car and keep your head down. Well, I'm telling you. This is where the parking. What are you taking I have. I've filled the two man tent. Did so you leave the tent? Did you leave the boys, tent? Boys, this is what I did. I got the towel and I did my best cleaning up job. I threw the towel in the tent. I pulled my daughter's sleeping bag out because that was clean. I pulled that out. I pulled the pegs on the tent. I folded the whole thing up. Threw it in the back of the car, left the campsite at 5.15am, drove to the nearest dumpster, I threw the two-man tent, my sleeping bag and everything in with it, and I drove home with my head between the legs. <laughs> to this day, my daughter and my wife said, don't you ever tell that story, ever. <laughs> what about the next time you had to go to school, folks, and they said, where'd you get, where'd you get to, big fella? <laughs> Imagine when the dad woke up. Chuck's Chuck's got up early and left the trailer. The tent's gone. The car's gone. Mate, the two-man tent is somewhere in the back streets of Harndor. Full of shit. Sleeping bag, towel. It was the most embarrassing moment of my life. How old's your daughter now? She's now 16 and she still looks at me and dad said, Dad, we're never going camping again. I said, you can promise you, dear, we're never going camping again. I'm going to send for a 21st. I'm going to send a camping voucher. What, what a serious... A weekend away glamping. The missus, the missus said you can't ever tell that story unless you go on Hamish and Andy, you know, untold stories or whatever. Oh, that is gold. That. Oh, mate, I tell you, uh, it was the most embarrassing moment. I said oh. kick and missing a goal in the EJ Witten's game. I oh. had no control. The valve opened, and that was it. That's the story for tonight. Oh, that is unbelievable. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, you know, when I had the Whalers Hotel, uh, this is you know, downstairs, uh, you know, used to have bands, and, you know, you'd get three or 400 people in there. It'd be chock-a-block, and... I uh, one Saturday night, and I'm kind of looking over the female male toilets were downstairs, and I'm looking over, and I said to one of the security, I said, what's the line-up outside the girls' oh, dummies no. for, you know? Anyway, he looked, he goes, I don't know. He said, that's a bit bizarre. Like, they were 10 deep. He goes, I'll go and have a look. Anyway, 
he goes over, he comes wandering back through the crowd. It was like, you know, bumper to bumper. He goes, yeah, it's not good in there. <laughs> I said, what, do <laughs> what do you mean it's not good? And he goes, oh, he said, uh, young girl, she's mm-hmm. in a little white dress. And uh, she's oh. just flown in from Bali, and she's got barley belly. She's virtually come straight out of the nightclub, and she's got barley belly, and she ain't moving because she's had an explosion in this little skimpy white dress, you can imagine. Anyway, oh, no. I, had to, I had to take off my work shirt, my big black work shirt, and the bouncer had to walk in through the crowd. He put the work shirt on, cleaned her up, and he carried her out in his, in her, in his arms. It was like the bodyguard, you know, that scene of the bodyguard with Whitney Houston, and it was a standing ovation. The crowd were just up and about, just roaring, and uh, that poor oh, young no. girl, I've never seen her before or never seen her since, I shouldn't say. Uh, yep. un- unbelievable scenes, but she got straight off a plane from Bali, straight to the nightclub in town in Waterloo. Like just a bad move, poor decision making there, Ludie. Very similar <laughs> to me okay. in the camp. And I, I allude some of those dads, and you know some of those dads. I won't mention their names. I hope no one in Adelaide's listening because they will now know why Chuck <laughs> left the campsite very <laughs> early, and I carried my tent out just like that girl in the arms, <laughs> and uh, just folded the whole lot, mate. Didn't bother. Through the pegs, through the sleeping bag, <laughs> folded it up, and somewhere in the Harndorf dumpster, it's still there today. They, 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 honestly, the, the parents would have been talking. They would have said, "Gee, Weezy was up and about early. Like, what's he? He's he don't muck around. Like he's he's got up and gone, hasn't he? Like, did we say something yeah. wrong? Did we push the no. the wrong buttons or something? You know, like it's never never left any skid marks or anything. You just <laughs> <laughs> oh, your poor daughter, just stuck in there, stuck in that two man, in that two man tent. Been story. The back of the Adelaide advertiser. Been back, coach shits himself in Adelaide Hills. Sarka shits himself. Unbelievable. Hey, let's get straightened up and get on some. Yeah, well, teams, let's get on your teams. Let's get all right. So this is your best teams you have played with. I'm going to start with you first, Ludi. Um, this is blokes that you have played with. I want your best 11. Chuck, I'm going to go to you, and then I'm going to decide which is the best team. Right. Now, before you read your team, Ludes, because I've got no idea what you're reading out, and you don't know what I'm reading out, I know yeah. you're going to try and pull a technicality on me here, so I'll, I'll throw it over to Stewie as the judge. What, what's is this it? team playing? Is it playing a test match? Is it playing a one-dayer? Or... And I'm a bit disadvantaged, but I'm still happy. Is it playing a T20, or what's your rules, Tim? Uh, I'm, I'm happy for it to be suited. I'm happy to, for it to be suited to any format. So it's not one in particular, but this team has to be transparent across the form, different formats. It has to be able to go to to where all places and perform. Yeah, okay. right. I'm, well, happy. I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Yep. Happy so with that. And the, the, only other, the only other thing I took into account is. I've played a few games like Chairman 11 games and stuff like that where I've played with David Warner and these sort of guys. I haven't put them in the team even though I've played with them. I've tried to pick guys who I've played at least 10 matches with roughly. Yeah, as good a minimum. Call. Just, Fair call. We, we haven't spoken much about this, but I've done the same. So again, you know, I've been lucky enough to play like you in a couple of celebrity games and all that. And, and I didn't include, you know, Australian Ashes Tour. I mean, because I wasn't really in that team. So my team... And I'll let Ludie go first, but my team is purely, I picked the best Victorian team that I played with um, of players over my 15-year career. So that's where my team is. I played a lot with all of these boys. Yep. Ludie, you're telling me yours is what pretty much South Australia over your eight years? Is that roughly? And, and your T20 stuff. 
Yeah, basically South Australians with a couple of, I suppose, icons of the game, in state cricket anyway, who, would, who would everyone would know about, who I played a fair bit of 2020 with. Right, right. Stewie, let's go, Ludie. I'm, I'm, I'm writing down, so go, Ludes. Right, in batting order. Aaron Finch. Yeah, good start. Philip Hughes. Even better start. Michael Klinger. Oh, Klinger. Captain. Bradley Hodge. Oh, gee, where's Chuck? Hope you got a good side, mate. Callum Ferguson. Oh, yeah, Fergalicious. At number six and the all... At number six and the all-rounder, Andrew Ronald McDonald, the greatest all-rounder record in first-class cricket in Australian history. There you go. Don't have to talk him up. We're all over that. <laughs> At number seven, vice-captain of the team, the wicketkeeper, Tim Ludeman. Oh, put himself oh, in, Saka. Jesus. You haven't picked yourself. <laughs> I don't know about well, that, Ludie. The beauty, the beauty of that, that's good. Um, playing that's good because I've been playing with other, well, other keepers. Yeah, you don't play with other keepers. I've never played with another keeper, so you have to. Oh, yeah, fair call, actually. I'll accept that. Righto, keep going. And uh, Stewie, before he reads out his bowlers, the only thing I'll say, because, I I mean, in fairness, he's right. You don't play with another keeper. You're either in or you're out. But I think it's a little bit rich that he's named himself vice-captain. That's all I'll leave you with. Did you see the Michael Jordan doco, mate? Clearly Chuck's going to name himself Captain. Correct. <laughs> 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 right, uh, bowlers. Okay, bowlers. Nathan Gary Lyon. Yep. Chad Sayers. Well, he'll be happy, Chaddy. Sean Tate. Oh, I was waiting for the wild thing to get in there. Wild thing. Get that and then at 11... At 11, probably an unknown, but Chuck knows how good this guy is, and a left arm and a compliment my attack, Gary Putland, the Iceman. Oh, no, he used to come to the Mo races, big putters. He did, yep. Uh, now, I've named the 12th. I've named, I've named a 12th man, and yep. I've gone with Daniel Christian because of his all-round ability. He can replace anyone that goes down in the team. Right, eh? I'll tell you what, that's a pretty bloody good side. So Finch Hughes, Klinger Hodge, Ferguson McDonald, Ludiment, Lyon, Sayers, Tate, Putland, Christian. That is a good 12. Yeah. Who's that your captain? Side, Who's your captain? Who's captain? Uh, Brad Hodge would be captain. <clears throat> Hodge, captain. You're Unlu- VC. Unlucky right. Finchie. Bad luck, Finchie. Uh, captain of Australia, but you just got the arse from Ludy. No worries. <laughs> right, I come oh, on, Saka. He learned he learn off the dodgeball. Uh, it's not a bad side he's picked, in fact. Very good uh, side. But I'll, I'll just say the tail starts. Very, very early. Uh, it's good batting lineup. Finch Hughes, Klinger, Hodge, Ferguson, McDonald at six, and then that's it. The tail then starts. Oh, he's quickly. not rating your batting to me, Ludeman. <laughs> Ludeman well, at seven. Uh, considering my average is Ludeman, Chuck, that's a bit rich. <laughs> well, exactly right. If we're going to settle for mediocrity. But then what he's done, and I hope, uh, I don't want to influence the uh, chairman of selectors here, Stewie, but what he's actually picked then is four number 11 batsmen. Nathan Lyon can't spell it. Chad Sayers <laughs> can't hold it because his hands are too small. Sean Tate was petrified, and Gary Putland was blind. So he's actually got the worst tail. When you hear my tail, I mean, I bat right down to number 11 in this side. Well, I hope you're 11 then, big Stewie, fella. Stewie, can I just say... 
those four are irrelevant will not be required because they will bowl any team out for under 180. <laughs> you only need the top four batters. <laughs> this is great. This is like a little thing at school, isn't it? You know, like the old uh, debating session. I like it. Come on, Saka. Come on, mate. Give now me your I'm gonna, 11. I'm going to read out the 11 that I was lucky enough to play with. And I'll just say that nine, eight of them, eight of the 11 that I'm going to tell you, and it'll be a no-brainer. You won't even have to adjudicate. Eight of the 11 are world-class superstars, right? Oh, not, not these little bits and pieces, Chatty Sayers, one test, uh, Andrew McDonald, a couple oh. of tests, Callum yeah. Ferguson. Yeah, just be careful. Yeah. These blokes are avid listeners of our podcast, all right? That's, just... that's why I'm saying it. That's why I'm saying it. Uh, you know, Maxi Klinger, I mean, how many games did he play for Australia? Handful. Bugger all, mate. Uh, so just get ready. Right, come on, give us your side. A bit like Ludie, there's a couple of no-namers as well that I rated. But in batting order, opening the batting, Matthew Elliott. Oh, yeah, he was a good player. Superstar, left-hander, just smashed tacks all around the world, made 199. Uh, anyway, I won't Mate, if you're going to talk about like every player because no one knows who they are, then... Yep. It's going to take all night. I know, just, they are, just warming up. His <laughs> opening partner is not a big name, but the man that made the most runs ever in the history of district cricket, Warren Ayres. Oh, yeah, right. Eh? W. Ayres. I can remember reading uh, that name. Yep, legend. Yeah. Uh, at number three, uh, the great Dean Jones. Oh, he was a superstar. Number four, this is interesting. We've both, Ludie and I, got the same name. So you just give that an equals. Brad Hodge at number four. Yeah, that's interesting. Any captain or vice uh, captain there for Hodgie? Uh, no, no, right. I've got much bigger names to come than that. Don't worry about that. I'm just warming up. Hodge at number four, who's captain? He didn't even get a mention in my leadership group. Yep. Uh, n- number five, and I'm matching him up. You got Callum Ferguson. Uh, uh, well, the bloke that gave Ludie the arse was the great shield batsman Jamie Siddons, the greatest fieldsman to play shield cricket. Siddons versus Ferguson. I'll let you decide. <laughs> Yeah, right. Fergie's got him covered. Fergie played a test match to start with. But anyway, (laughs) look at the numbers. Just look at the numbers in Shield cricket, and and one's a great fielder and one's a prancer. Um, I hope Fergie's listening. Number six, I love you, Ferg. Uh, Andrew McDonald. I mean, nice, you know, nice mate. Ludie's his boyfriend down there in Geelong and all that. And uh, I played, I played with Andrew McDonald as well, and a very good cricketer. Good player. Very good. But if you want to talk about playing across all formats of the game, Pete, great all-rounders. The man that invented the slower ball at number six, Simon O'Donnell. Andrew uh-huh. McDonnell couldn't lay Simon O'Donnell's boots, mate. Simon O'Donnell at number six. Yep. Uh, again, this is a no-brainer, Stewie, the wicketkeeper. Well, you decide Ludeman versus Berry. I mean, you know, it's like, that's like, I don't know, Warren versus McGill. You know, it's sort of, one was good, but one was a superstar. <laughs> He's been working on this all week, Ludy, hasn't he? Right, hey, keep yeah. going. Bowlers. We want to get into the bowlers now. Oh, this is where Ludy's team fell apart, and they none of them... I don't bat. need my bowlers for that. Number eight. You want a team that can bowl sides out. Well, how does this combination sound? Paul Rifle, Merv Hughes, and Shane Warne. How do you like them apples? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I'll swear. Paul Rifle and Shane Warne versus... Chatty no-hand sayers, right arm slow. <laughs> Sean Tate, I can't even land him on the pitch. Wild <laughs> oh, careful. I don't want and to fire the wild thing up. 
just to sort of match uh, Ludy's left armour, and Gary Putnam was one of my favourites for South Australia and a fine bowler. Well, I've picked the left armour as well to give you balance. Just check out the his love record, child. Stewie, before... The love just child. check his record. Matthew Innes. Matthew Innes was number 11, the great left-arm swing bowler. I couldn't fit him. David Saker, Tony Dodamay, 12th man, Damian Fleming. Just in case I want a little bit more swing, I'll put Fleming in. Gee whiz. Uh, so they're the two sides, Stewie. I mean, I'll, I'll give you about three seconds to make your decision. And who's the captain? Well, captain is Shane Warren because he's the great yeah. tactical captain. Yeah. And uh, vice-captain, and this might shock uh, might shock Ludy, but uh, Jamie Siddons was an excellent captain. And I'm going to make Siddons vice-captain of that side, Warren captain. Well, there you go. Unbelievable team. That's a really no. That's a that's a great team. I'm sure that'd go good against Bill Laurie and bloody WG Race <laughs> and all those blokes back well, then. The fossils. Let me just recap yep. Chuck's side, okay? So Jamie Elliott, uh, Warren Ayres, Dean Jones, Brad Hodge, Jamie Siddon, Simon O'Donnell, Darren Berry, Paul Rifle, Murphys, Shane Warne, Maddie Innes, and the twelfth man Damien Fleming. Uh, that is a very very deep side. Your side, uh, Ludy Finch, Hughes, Klinger, Hodge. Ferguson, McDonald, Ludeman, Lyon, Sayers, Tate, Putland, and Dan Christian. Um, gee whiz. Both just just remember, sauce. Stewie, that this is this is across all formats of the game. They have to be able to compete and win in three different formats. Not just one. Yeah, that's a good that's a good good thing to consider, I reckon, Stewie. And when you think about that, Dean Jones was before his time, oh, one yeah. of the greats in one day cricket. Jamie Siddons was the best fieldsman and aggressive batsman. I'm telling you, it might be fossil like. Simon O'Donnell invented the slower ball, so he'll bamboozle them in T20. Mm. Paul Rifle nipped it around off the scene. The greatest spinner ever, Shane Warne. Well, what format do you want? Mm. Merv Hughes would have scared the life out of him. Look, it's up to you, but, you know, I mean, the listeners know already. They're saying, well, the, it was a good build-up, but, you know, really. Nah, do you know what, Chuck? I think you've got him covered, mate. Sorry, Lou. <laughs> Sorry, Ludy. I think he's got you covered, mate. That is I'm a uh, that is a very, very, very good side. Uh, they're both very good sides, but uh, no, nah, that that uh, that is some Victorian superstars in that team, isn't it? You know, like, and that's probably you know, being a Vic myself, Ludy. It's probably gone against you just a little bit. Uh, yeah, not as many Vicks in there. You got a few South Australian boys in there, but uh, they are sensational teams. And uh, credit to you, boys. I reckon that's going to get a few people talking. So have your say. If you listen to the podcast, um, you know, get amongst it. Let us let the boys know what you think of their uh, their 12, 12 uh, players. Yeah, that they I, Stewie, I, I'll probably admit it. It's probably a good call. It's a very good team, Darren. So well done. I, like once our viewers actually go out and Google some of those names and work out who they are. <laughs> They'll, they'll probably realise that they were decent cricketers in their day. But, um, oh, very, yeah, very take good. Some time and some research. Now, listen, I'm going to Rudy, give you... thank you. I'm thanks for thanks for conceding defeat, and I just want to be humble in victory here. Uh, first of all, when you say our viewers, this is actually an audio medium, so it's our listeners, <laughs> not our viewers. No one's watching us. Uh, just get you up to speed with a bit of media. And, and I've got to be honest with you, I reckon your batting side was pretty, very, very good. So I reckon our batting was probably... Similar, yeah. I reckon I might have just done you, honestly, with with my bowling. Just, yeah, I reckon, I, I reckon just. But like you know, like say Warney and Lyon, like don't get me wrong, uh, he's an absolute superstar, Lyon. But you got to go Warney every day of the week. Uh, Paul Rifle was a fantastic 
bowler for uh, for Victoria and for Australia. Merv Hughes the same. Uh, I, I, I must admit, I can't uh, say I've seen a lot of Matty Innes. Uh, Damien Fleming, superstar of the game. But, uh, yeah, no, nah, that's a uh, very, very good team. Don't worry about that, both of them, boys. The, the outcome, Ludie, is we're probably pretty lucky. We just read out 24 names and... All of them were great cricketers, and we were lucky enough to be the wicketkeeper in those two sides, so pretty lucky. Now, listen, uh, that's enough of the cricket. I want to throw a team out to you, a football team. Uh, a mate of mine, who I do a little radio show with, uh, come up with this team during the week for the radio, and I just want to run this past you, and I want you boys to tell me what's so special about this team that I pick, okay? So this is starting from the back line. Gavin Wanganeen, Ross Glendening, and Gary Dempsey. The half back line is Nathan Buckley, Peter Moore, and Sam Mitchell. The centre line is Stop. Chris. Yep. Stop. <clears throat> yep. Can I, can I give you the answer? Yeah, go. Or do you want to keep going? Do you want me to spoil it? No, give give me the answer. Give me what you think it is. Yep, they're all Brownlow medalists. Yes, but it's not the answer that I'm after. Okay, keep going. Okay, so the centre line is Chris Judd, Ian Stewart. And Greg Williams. The half forward line is Jason Ackermanis, Bernie Quinlan and Paddy Dangerfield. The full forward line is Gary Ablett Jr., Tony Lockett and Kelvin Templeton. The rucks, Len Thompson, Jared Healy and Benny Cousins. And on the interchange bench, we've got Tom Mitchell, Adam Cooney, Shane Wowden, um, Brad Hardy. And you can kind of continue that interchange bench. What do you think it is, boys? I had I had my stab and and I'm not changing so I'll give Ludie a shot. Well, to my knowledge, every name you read out is a Brownlow medalist, but I'll give Ludie a shot now. To be honest, that's exactly what I was thinking when you started reading. So I don't have another answer for you right now. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain. It's an amazing um, team. When you, and when you hear it, you'll go, "Wow, that is okay, unbelievable." I'll give you my answer. Yep. I'll give I'll give you my answer because I love football. Every player you read out has played for two teams. And won a Brownlow medal. Yep. That is pretty amazing, isn't it? Is that correct? That is it. That's the right answer. Good good get. Good get, Chuck. Isn't it amazing? When you go through the names, um, mm. you know, like that is an amazing football. You know, Nathan Barkley, Wanganeen, Ross Glendening, Peter Moore, Greg Williams, Chris Judd, Dangerfield, Ackermanis, Gary Ablett Jr., Plugger Lockett. Unbelievable. Uh, it is an amazing team. And, yeah, I, we, Ludy and I both got the Brownlows. And I was going through and I thought, hang on, Wanganeen, two teams, Dempsey. So I thought two teams. Now, you know what? I'm looking on there. Uh, Chris Judd won a Brownlow at two different teams. Yeah. There's another one. Is there any others in there? Dual Brownlow medalists in there? Um... Greg, did Greg Williams win two or one? I think he only won one with uh, Plugger Either and one, one. Platten, was it? Uh, I'll give you another Gary one. Ablett in, I'll give you... Gary Ablett in there? Yeah, Junior was. Junior was. So Gary Ablett's won. Did he win one at Gold Coast? Yeah. Did he win a Gold Coast down at Geelong? Yeah. You reckon? Yeah, I can't well, remember, he's won. actually. He's won remember, two. I'll give, I'll give you another he, one. Do, he's definitely won one at the Suns. I don't know. That's one for our Yeah, listeners. I'm not sure. That is one well, you know, I'm going to say that he won one. Has he won one at Geelong? I don't know whether he has. Let's go. I, right, okay. I reckon he won the Gold Coast and hasn't won one at Geelong. There. Little That's food for thought. I don't know that. Little food for thought for our listeners as well to get involved, boys. Stewie, I'll give you Good another chair. one because I'm looking. At Peter Moore 
won a Brownlow medal. Darcy's father, Peter Moore, won a Brownlow at Collingwood and a Brownlow at Melbourne. That's a fact. Wow. There you go. There you go. And I reckon maybe one of our guests, Paddy Dangerfield, he's only got one, but who's to say he won't win one at Geelong after winning one at Adelaide? No, he won his at the Cats, didn't he? Can't believe you! Can't believe you bit into that. I thought I'd throw that. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, mate! <laughs> I love it. But uh, look, just I love. It's been interesting in isolation seeing a lot of these teams get put out in social media, and that is a cracker because that stumped me. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think everyone always goes for the Brownlows, but uh, when you think about it, that every one of those Brownlow medalists has played at two clubs. That's an unusual stat, really, isn't it? Great, yeah, great, very stat. unusual. Great. Great team, and again, Stewie, I'm watching the clock. Uh, I'm having a ball, but our listeners have told me one hour maximum. We've just yes. kicked over the hour. We have to uh, get out. I know we've missed a couple of topics we didn't cover that we'll have to go back to, and I don't know whether Ludy's got an impersonation to finish off, but we try and stay to the hour each week on Chuck Ludy and the big fella, and I'll never be on again because my wife and daughter won't say <laughs> listen to this podcast. Uh, I'll, I'll be in the shit house. Yeah, literally. in the Adelaide Hills. <laughs> You've never gone camping since. What do you got for us tonight, Ludy? Oh, I didn't provide a guest, but I have got another impersonation, and I have delivered every week, to be fair, with the impersonation. So. You have, mate. Correct. I, I'm going to try a new one again tonight because I'm running out oh, at a rate of knots. Risky. Oh, this is not like the Tiger King, I hope. <laughs> no. I'm sure most people would know who David Strasman is. Yes. Ventriloquist. Yes. Yes. And he yes. Does, does and he does Teddy Bear. Yes. Well, I'm going to do Teddy Bear. <laughs> right, hey, let's go. Good it'll, luck. I'll try. It'll, I'll do a little bit of Strasman and Teddy Bear, but Teddy Bear. Okay, while you're warm. While you're warming up and psyching yourself up, Stewie, let's just see if Dennis Committee comes out in here. <laughs> I'm tipping it's going to be fella for sure. <laughs> Come on, Looney. What did you do to your poor Teddy? I didn't hurt him, Dave. I didn't hurt him. Did Chuck do it? I can't remember, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for a new one. I reckon that's all right, big fella. Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Sam. <laughs> I'm running out. <laughs> I love it, mate. Hey, at least you're having a crack. Hey, boys, we're going to have a couple of weeks off, all right? So we're just going to uh, we're going to just bench ourselves for a couple of weeks. Uh, See what you've done, Ludy, to us. See what you've done. I'm just warming up with my stories, the Adelaide Hills, and the big fella's bloody taking us off air. I got sacked by Grant Thomas. And now we're getting sacked from the big fella. I hope Grant's not listening to this episode either. But, hey, Nat, we're just going to have a couple of weeks off, let everyone catch their breath and catch back up. We've got some big guests uh, in the can to come in the coming weeks, uh, weeks, which I think is uh, super exciting. But, uh, look, it's been fantastic. Who's been your favourite guest so far, Ludy? Uh, I'd have to go Paddy Dangerfield, um, an early guest. So if you haven't listened to him yet, have a listen. But, you know, the amount he's got on his plate, obviously... President of the AFL players, a superstar of the game. He promotes the game so well. He had a laugh. Fishing with buddies. Us. Fishing buddies. Had a laugh with us. Happy to uh, to talk about anything and uh, give us a few laughs. So that was good fun. He was sensational. What about you, Sarks? Stewie, we've had some great guests and uh, we've had a lot of great feedback. So, you know, the, the names are huge that we've had with Lyon and Sayers and Bluey McGrath, Mark Leishman, Dangerfield, Ludy got him on. Ludy got Tim Payne on and... He was my favourite, not only the fact that he told the story about shitting himself 
actually shitting himself on the Old Trafford field. And it's brought you in. But out. I just reckon Tim Payne's story and the leadership that he's shown when he took over yeah. when Australia was in a really dire situation after Cape Town, I just love the Tim Payne story. And the night that he was on with us, I thought he was sensational. So if you haven't listened to that one, we're going to give you a couple of weeks. I think Stewie is maybe coming back. Well, we're coming back after the Queen's birthday, maybe. That's yeah, I reckon you know the, we're thinking. the week of footy coming back uh, will be the uh, the GO, I reckon, boys. Uh, Jonathan, Brown, Jonathan Brown for me. Uh, I love Brownie. Just yep. his storytelling abilities is unbelievable. And uh, he has already locked in. He said, I'll come back on and we'll do a part B, boys, so uh, we can lock that one down. There are a fair few stories that uh, haven't been heard before, and he's got a few more up his sleeve. Um, that he's happy to talk about too, which is what it's all about, I reckon. Just hearing some of the other stuff. That's where Warney was great too. Um, you know, some behind-the-scenes stuff. I reckon that's what people enjoy listening to on these podcasts because you can get the mainstream kind of stuff each and every day of the week, can't you, boys? Yeah. No, we're, we're point of difference, hopefully. And it's been fun, guys, the first 10 weeks. And, you know, it's probably a good time to have a breather for a couple of weeks. And if you haven't, to our listeners, go back and listen to the previous 10 shows. There is some big guests. And what Stewie just said, we don't follow mainstream stuff. And a lot of my friends on the Mornington Peninsula that listen, they have said, Stewie, their favourite, without doubt, without doubt, was Jonathan Brown. Yeah, yeah. He's just a, he's just a good storyteller, Brownie. Um, you know, he's just he's just a ripping. He's a bloke's bloke. And uh, it, look, honestly, all our guests I've I've really enjoyed. You know, it's been interesting to get the feedback from uh, from friends and stuff that listen to them, and uh, you know that might have had an opinion, say Paddy Dangerfield, but uh, they really enjoyed you know listening to a different side of him. You know, because I think sometimes you you know they got to put on a a persona at times, don't they? And uh, you know, just to to hear him having a bit of banter and a bit of fun, I think's what it, uh, it's what it's all about. And we must we must follow this up and and. And look, the, the, the text message and the phone call went in today from this man to the oh. great Shane Warne, Clinton Bolsh, Nesson, the warrior. Oh, come on. End of financial year deals. I hope that in two weeks' time, Clinton Bolsh has sold Brooke Warne, a magnificent Nesson warrior, boys, because that will bring the house down. I think Warney's waiting for a chuck. Don't let us down, Bolshe, and you, it better be a good deal. Please, don't <laughs> ring him up and, and have the GST and uh, all this. You've got to do him a good deal, otherwise I don't reckon we're going to get him back for a, a second episode. Do not let us uh, down, Bolshe. The pressure is on Bolshe, you. What about him going to water? Seriously, he was crapping himself. He said, I, I don't normally get starstruck, but I just, I'm really nervous ringing him with that. I, I just said, mate, just get on the blower. He's like, he's on the hook. Get amongst it. <laughs> The text message said, Chuck, where's the bloke from Warnable Nissan? I haven't heard from him. And I thought, oh, problem's here. Problem's here. That's why we're going into a couple of weeks of uh, hiding. I tell you, I'm going underground. We're going into isolation ourselves. We will be back, though. Make no mistake about it. Let's go out with a bit of U2 Elevation. Elevation.